Welcome to the Practical Growth Podcast. I'm your host, E.B. Johnson, top writer on Medium.com, published author, and master practitioner of neuro-linguistic programming. You've landed on the podcast that takes you on a journey into the heart of relationships and self-discovery. This is a must listen for those who are ready to overcome their toxic relationships and their toxic patterns. You can expect real talk, practical guidance, and raw and relatable guests that you'll be talking about for weeks. Let's get into it. Hello, hello, hello again, my lovelies. It is me, EB, and I'm back here with you live today with my little dog, Percy, who you will no doubt hear snoring at some point in the background. Uh, And we're back, 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 back from the edges of medium.com, back from TikTok and an explosive week on TikTok um, to uh, bring you some goodness, to bring you some illumination, to bring you a little bit more knowledge on what else but narcissistic parents. Yep, it's another one. It's another one of those narcissistic parent episodes. I know that you guys cannot get enough. I know that the insight is invaluable to you. Um, So I wanted to tackle one of the big questions that I get a lot about narcissistic parents, especially in the wake of my recent TikTok videos. Um, Did your narcissistic parent love you? That's the question we're going to answer today. Did your parent, your narcissist mother, your narcissist father, did they love you? Did they love you? We talked about they knew that they were traumatizing you, but did they love you? That's what we're going to break down today. Um, So stay tuned. That's what we're going to get into. But first, as you know, a little bit of housekeeping. As you all know, um, applications are open right now for the March edition of my eight-week private coaching program. Now, that is ideal for anyone who is ready to work with me one-on-one and fast-track real and lasting behavioral changes in their life and in their relationships, okay? Um, But... That's not what this message is about today. This message today is about group coaching, group coaching. Now, I know you guys have heard me talk about it. You've heard me talk about the benefits. You've heard me talk about what you get when you join my group coaching program. But what you haven't actually heard about is the group itself. Um, This is a little shout out to the wonderful, wonderful members of my growth group. Um, We have a very small but an incredibly focused and incredibly compassionate and incredibly knowledgeable um, and incredibly kind of giving sharing group of people who are working together right now with me in the growth group, (laughs) excuse me, um, to really set goals and make remarkable changes in their lives. Um, Now, by the time you hear this episode, we will be preparing for our second recovery lab workshop, which is the live workshop that we do. Um, This week, we're going to be talking about relationships, specifically trauma in relationships, um, how childhood trauma, uh, trauma in our previous relationships affects our ability to connect, to love, to be loved, to support, to be supported, and all of the above. Um, And that's a part of the growth group membership. We get together. We have a really, really, really good dialogue. Um, They get to ask me a lot of questions and I get to give them coaching, you know, sometimes one on one, sometimes, you know, for the collective right there in the moment in the group. Um, Again, these these individuals have been excellent. They are constantly in the discord server, you know, connecting with one another, sharing their experiences, um, just so compassionate. And I can't tell you how invaluable it is 
to have a group of people who, when they hear the craziness, the insanity of your childhood, of your background, you know, of a toxic partner, a toxic parent, there's no doubt. There's no second guessing. Um, These incredible individuals, um, you just, you blow my mind. So if you want to become a part of this group, if you are actually ready to build a compassionate group of individuals who want more than just to like have the stats of your likes or your friendship on social media, um, join this group. Join this group. This is such a great group of people, and they are really helping me to open up, me to feel compassionate and grateful. And I know that, you know, everyone in the group is feeling just as supported, just as loved, and just as grateful to have people who are just there to be kind. If you would like to join group coaching, then it's dead easy. All you have to do is head over to patreon.com slash practical growth and sign up right there. Simple as that. You can cancel at any time. Um, but for a monthly fee, you can get instant access to our group coaching. So you get exclusive content for me, updates, but you also get access to this group of people and our Discord server, which again has just been really, really incredible. So if you want instant access to all that workshops and more, head over to patreon.com slash practical growth. All right, let's get into it. The juicy, juicy goodness that you came here for. Narcissistic parents, do they love their children? Did your mother, your narcissistic mother, love you as much as she told you and everyone else? What about your narcissistic father when he was hitting you or terrorizing you? Um, Was he really doing it because he loved you or was it something else? As with anything, it's incredibly complicated. It's incredibly complicated. Uh, Just today, I watched a video from some self-proclaimed guru on TikTok who was trying to explain the relationship between a narcissistic mother and her daughter. And he just had boiled it down in the worst way possible, simplified it in the worst way possible. He said, yes, narcissistic mothers hate their daughters. They compete with them because they hate them. And it just is not that simple. It just is not that simple. Um, For us to understand love from the perspective of a narcissist, then we have to first understand what a narcissist is, right? Because that's been twisted up so much. And, and we're not going to spend a lot of time here, but, you know, we do just have to touch on what a narcissistic parent really, really is so that you can understand what love really is and then what their definition of love really is and then what's really going on beneath the surface, okay? A narcissistic parent is not just like some grandiose, selfish parent who it makes it all about them, okay? That's certainly a part of it, but that's not how you would define it. A narcissistic parent is someone who has children for their ego. They have children as accessories, as extensions of themselves. Their children exist to boost their ego, to validate them, to give them access to certain levels of society, which are easier accessed if you are a parent, right? Because there's a certain social standing that comes with having children. And some people literally have children so that they can have enjoy that kind of social protection. Okay. That's what a narcissistic parent is. They don't care or even really consider the fact that their child is this whole human being who has to grow up to have a full human experience, just as painful as theirs might have been. Okay. That doesn't figure into them. A truly narcissistic parent has children as a tool. Okay. Narcissists are inherently, inherently insecure. That is why they have to center themselves and everything. That is why they see everything around them as a personal reflection of themselves and their self-worth. Okay. It comes from insecurity. A super, super, super secure person, you know, is not constantly scanning the environment 
asking themselves, well, what is that going to make people think about me? What does that make me look like? Who am I if X, Y, and Z? They don't see every single thing in their environment or every single thing that's said to them as a personal reflection on them. Okay. They just don't take everything personally. The narcissist does because they're insecure and they're terrified that someone will see that insecurity. So for some, they cloak that insecurity by, yes, becoming the grandiose, arrogant dickheads that we know. Okay. But some of them also cloak that insecurity by becoming these perpetual victims. Woe is me. Look at me. Be, you know, feel pity for me so that you change your behaviors and the way you think for me it becomes really manipulative. Okay. They become able to turn the head as a manipulative neck, so to speak. When these people become parents, the children are just another one of those masks. It is just another guise that they put on. That child is only going to get safety, affection, inclusion, validation if the child performs to that parent's wishes. So let's say you have a parent who has dreamed their whole lives of their child becoming a doctor, right? That's what my mom did. Now, let's say that child comes out and from day one is a rebel, from day one as a rebel, they have absolutely no interest in science. They want to go and build things. They like to do stuff with their hands. They flunk out of all their classes. They start wearing black clothes. You know, they have extreme friends. Maybe they, you know, they don't want to be in school anymore at all. What a nightmare to a narcissistic parent. That narcissistic parent is immediately going to be at odds with that child. They're going to clash with that child every single time that they can. If that child continues to perform in a way that breaks with their expectations and that child's going to feel coldness. They're going to feel distance. They're going to feel a lack of empathy. They're going to feel um, just a lack of belonging with that parent and in that family. See, there's the snoring. I told you it was going to happen. So this is who the narcissistic parent is. However it manifests, they expect their children to mask and to perform to very specific kind of behaviors, careers, relationship standards, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And they become at odds with the child who isn't. That's the narcissistic parent. They need their child to be a what? A supply, a supply. And that child supplies them by performing as whatever that parent wants the child to be. The cute little loving doll, the super successful doctor, whatever it is, that child has to perform that that role in order to get love from the narcissist, quote unquote, love from the narcissistic parent. So let's then compare that to what actual real healthy parental love is, okay? So we've just looked at the parent who only celebrates their child, is positive with their child, shows affection, shows safety, shows comfort if that child does an exact performance that they want in whatever way that is, okay? Now let's look at like healthy parental love, what real parental love looks like. It is supportive. It is kind. It is compassionate. No, you don't have to be a pushover, right? Your job as a parent is still to steward your child, right? And what does a steward do? Well, let's just look at a Disney steward. I don't know if you guys have ever been to Disney, but if you'll notice, they say everything in a very particular way and usually with a smile. That is part of their stewardship. It is easier to steward someone when you direct them kindly, when you make them feel like it is their idea, when you give them space to make the right decisions comfortably in their own time. A steward does not shove someone, does not coerce someone with force or with terror or with misinformation. It is always delicately, civilly, with a smile and gently so that those people will be calm, cool and collected 
when they go in whatever direction it is that they need to go into, whether that's to get onto the train into the future or to disembark to go home. Okay. True parental love is stewardship. It is not ownership. But the narcissistic parent, because they see their children as an extension of them, because they need their children to help hide their insecurities with the world, they feel and project ownership over their child. I had this child. It is mine. It will do what I want it to do. That's not how humans work. That's not how humans work. You could have six children and every single one of those children would have a different personality, different emotional needs, different cognitive needs. They would develop differently in different times, in different ways, in different patterns to different ends. Okay. All children are different. Genes are crazy. And then environment is even crazier. There is no ownership of your children. They don't belong to you. You are a steward of them. Your job is to kindly, gently, compassionately point them in the direction that they need to go into for their best happiness and their best success. Whatever that looks like as defined by them, not you. That is what true parental love looks like. And this is where we start to see the real extent of a narcissistic parent and the quote unquote love that they are capable of. You see, the root of any narcissistic relationship, any narcissistic relationship with you, assumingly the the healthier person against this abusive end of the spectrum narcissist, the root of any relationship between you, whether that's mother, daughter, father, son, daughter, father, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, partners, bosses, whatever it is, the root of that relationship is always going to be appeasing and centering the narcissist. It has to be. They will not forever hold on to relationships in which they are not centered. They are not made to feel important. They are not made to feel special and they are not given attention anytime they demand it. It just won't happen. Not in the home. Okay. Not in the home relationship. So if the root of the relationship with a narcissistic person is supplying them, okay, supplying their egos with the validation that it needs in order to fight off its insecurities and in order to define a sense of self, because that's also the thing with narcissists. They don't have a stable sense of self because they outwardly direct their sense of self. It's not internally directed. Um, If this kind of person demands performance from people, then it, it, there's no there's not truth there, right? There's not integrity because a performance inherently is a performance. It's not reality. So if narcissists who themselves are usually living in delusion, which is not reality, build relationships around people who are also being dishonest and disingenuous by always centering this narcissist and pretending like they're the center of the universe. How then can that relationship be love? Okay, how then can that relationship be love? And we'll just use my mother again as an example here, okay? We're going to use my mother as an example, and then I'm going to answer the question, do narcissistic parents love you? I think you're catching on already, but here we go. My mother claimed that she loved her children. Oh, my God. She told me so many times how much she loved her children. Now, she very rarely said, EB, I love you. I love you so much. She got She got more into that towards the end when she was looking for validation, but... For the majority of my life, that was not something she said to me. 
she would just say things like, I love my children so much. I would die for you. I love my children so much. It was never specifically, I love you for you. You're amazing. So despite my mother saying this all the time, all the time, I look back and I struggle to find examples which back that claim up. Because when I was living hundreds of miles away, going to college by myself in a town where I knew no one, and I got hospitalized for a week with kidney failure, for a week, my mother could not be bothered to come to the hospital. It also just so happens that she was super angry at me for going to that university and for the people that I moved in with when I went to university, okay, when I had first left initially. So I got left in the hospital alone until she finally told my dad... And my dad drove, he lived just a couple hours away. He drove up and he came to see me in the hospital. But my mother didn't even bother. Before that, um, the people I had initially moved to college with, things went very south. There was someone, someone I went to high school with. Things went really south and we decided to move out. We weren't going to be around each other. And their parents came in one day, cornered me in the closet, threatened to kill me. So they were going to call in a biker gang. They were going to have me killed. Um, they hated me. They'd always hated me and a bunch of other terrible stuff. I was terrified. I was totally terrified. I was like 19 years old. Maybe I don't think I was 20. I think it was like 18, 19. And I remember calling my mom and sobbing and sobbing and sobbing and her telling me I'm at work. I'll call your brother because I had a brother who used to be a police officer. Um, he was no longer a police officer and she was like, he'll give you advice. So he ended up calling me and talking to me for like 20 or 30 minutes, but no one bothered to come up and like help me move out of the house or, you know, no one flew up to protect me during this really turbulent time. Like my friend's parents had come up to, you know, get in the middle and, and defend that person. So there's another example. And you can look back even further. Look at the house that I grew up in. Okay, my mother was a very intelligent woman who had a lot of skills. She spent years as a veterinary technician. Okay, no, no small thing. Um, she was very intelligent. She was, you know, really self-educated, um, and she had done some achievements with that in in the seventies in a time when it was easier to do that without like a, a hard and fast college degree because she didn't get a college degree. She dropped out and had children. So my mother was a skilled woman, a woman with access, a woman who was being funded by my father. And she left me to live in a hoarding house. She had the money to make that house better. She had the knowledge that she was mentally ill. She had medication that had been given to her to manage that mental illness. She had excellent insurance, which would have given her full coverage to the in or outpatient mental health care that she needed. And she refused to do it. Um, and she knew that I was getting sick because of the house. She had a doctor who had set up some red flags and said, I think something in the house is making her sick. We might have to come in and check things out. Um, so she knew I was getting sick because of the house and she still, still insisted on me living in it, which I did. I lived in it for like, you know, at least six to eight years when in that condition, in that condition, in that really bad hoarding condition with like the sewage and the carpets and the roof falling in and all this other kind of stuff. So those were all things that my mother did because she was a narcissist. Okay. But, but the deeper reason is because she lacked empathy. In those moments, she had decided that I had done something in childhood. She, I 
firmly believe that she blamed me for my father leaving. And so she punished me by forcing me to live in a dirty house that made me sick and by also being crazy emotionally abusive after he left. She did not come to see me in the hospital because she was angry at me for going to a university where she had, she didn't want me to go. Um, so she was like, you're on your own. That's it. Be alone. So she decided I didn't deserve empathy and compassion for that. And so she just never gave it to me. The same thing when I was really scared of being threatened. She didn't like those people. She had told me she didn't like those people. So those people were treating me that way. That's my fault. That's what I get. There was no, this is my child who is unsafe, I must protect her. It was, no, you did what I didn't want you to do. So suffer for it. Okay. That was my mother's kind of approach to parenting. Now, this all applies, right? This all applies because let's spin back to that definition of parental love. One of the first things I said, one of the core elements of that parental love is empathy. It is compassion. It is being able to hold that softness for your child, even when they disappoint you. My mother did not have that. So explain to me, how can one have true love, true, true, true love? And I'm not talking about romantic love. I'm talking about that true sense of care and connection that you have for someone, which almost supersedes the self. It's just this deep, like, I only want the best for this person because I just want the best for this person. I have this space in my soul for them and I want them to have good. I feel their feelings. I don't want them to feel pain and bad feelings. Okay. Which is what empathy is. If you don't have that, tell me then how you have real true love. You can't. You can't. My mother certainly thought That she loved me based on what her definition of love was, which was all behavioral stuff, right? Because that's how she saw her children. She only loved us when we behaved a certain way. So she saw love as a behavioral transactional thing. Something that had to be earned, that had to be performed for. But that is not love. In reality, when you are healthy, you see that that's not love. So does a narcissistic parent truly love their child? It's my personal argument that if you cannot have full unconditional empathy, which again, that doesn't mean you get walked all over, but if you cannot actually experience full emotional, not just cognitive empathy for someone, you don't love them. You don't love them. You don't love them. I don't see logically how you could. And that is the reality of it. Does a narcissist love someone? Maybe in their own way. But it is always behavioral. It is always transactional. There is always a superficial, self-centered, for them, standard to it. Yes, we all have conditional love for people, right? Like my conditions are, you can't hit me. You can't abuse me. You can't treat me like a second-class citizen, You can't look down at me. You can't disrespect me. All of those things, right? Those are my conditions on loving someone. If you do those things to me, I'm not going to love you. But for the narcissistic parent, it's so much shallower than that. It has become the person I expect you to become. Or this relationship will never be as warm and loving as you want it to be. I will not give you the full empathy that you need. I will not be fully present there when you're struggling if I don't agree with your struggle. And that's not love. How could it be? 
It's not a nice revelation to have, but let me tell you, when I had the revelation that my mother did not ever truly fully love me, it was freeing. It was freeing. You know how much easier it is to talk about someone when you realize that they didn't really honestly, truly give a shit about you? It makes going no contact easier if that's what you need to do. For me, it allowed me to get over her death. It allowed me to get over being left motherless from the age of 27. Which is, yeah, it's not like, you know, losing your mom when you're a kid, but at 27, as a woman in this world, you still want your mom, right? But seeing that, understanding that, accepting that love as I expected it, love as I actually know it, love as I actually want it to be in my life, never existed with her, allowed me to wipe her off the board and be like, right, okay, next. I'm not going to keep pouring myself out in grief for someone who never did what they were supposed to do for me. Not one time. And that's freeing. It sounds angry. And I am. I'm certainly going to be angry about it. Because like, don't take on a child because I was adopted. Don't take on a child that you don't really love. Right? That kind of sucks. It makes me angry. But again, that anger is the fuel that will free you from your past. You have to get angry enough to go, F this. I'm going to have everything I want in this life. I'm going to have a life that is so good so peaceful, so serene that it completely cuts ties with what that past was. I'm not going to live there anymore. I'm going to rebuild myself on my terms in my way. If that's not powerful, I don't know what it is. All right, that is it. That's going to be it. That is it. Heavy stuff, but good stuff. But that's it for today's episode. I hope there was something in there. I Again, I know it's thick, but... I hope you found some truth in there, some light, some illumination that has opened up some windows for you and let the light in. Yeah, light hurts when it hits your eyes and you've been in the dark for a while, but give yourself some time to adjust and you'll see an entirely new horizon of possibility in terms of your recovery, in terms of your future, in terms of what you're willing to hold your relationships to. So... If you loved the episode, please consider heading over to Apple Podcasts uh, and leaving a five-star review for me. Helps me out so, 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 so much. Um, and it helps people find this podcast. That's the that's a really important thing. This is a free thing that I do. Um, it really helps people. You guys really seem to like it. And it's accessible to everybody. So please help other people that are trying to actually find quality narcissistic abuse advice. Um, help them find this podcast. Leave a quick five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Let them know why you love the show. Um, and if you take a screenshot of that and email it to me, I'll give you a free ebook. So gets even better. So head on over, leave that five-star review for everyone else. You already know it's coming. Keep your heads up, keep your eyes on the star and keep moving forward until next time. Bye-bye.